Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival. Presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean. Keith Urban. Jelly Roll. Old Dominion. Lady A. Riley Green. Ashley McBride. Brothers Osborne. Walker Hayes. All hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th. Stream only on Hulu. Starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. Up next, Luna Talks with Anna Paulina Luna. Part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Abortion. Not exactly the topic for dinner conversation, but a topic that's critical to what kind of society we have. Today... I'll tell you what the media and our public school systems don't want you to hear, but what you really need to know. This is Luna Talks with Anna Paulina. So a few weeks ago, I was actually, this is going to be kind of a funny story, but I was actually out at a bar and I was talking with my friend Natasha and I, you know, we're both married, so we're clearly not there to meet anyone. And this guy kept coming up. And so I finally said, hey, Natasha, you know, let's let's talk to this guy and we'll just ask him about his views and see if he's actually willing to say whether or not he's in agreement with what we believe for these debates. And so the first thing I hit him was with, how did you feel on your stance on abortion? And you would have sworn that I told this guy that I was a flying spaghetti monster. I mean, like he completely turned white, didn't want to say anything, started backtracking, fumbling. And I was like, I'm just in all actuality, like I'm pro-life. I just wanted to see what you would say. And the reason I'm doing this episode is because so many people, especially on this topic, especially as men, don't want to engage on the abortion debate. And it is probably in our lifetime, one of the most important and highly controversial issues that we should be all addressing, I think, together as a whole. Obviously, probably not something you want to bring up at the dinner table, but definitely something that you want to engage with because of really the foundations that abortion and organizations like Planned Parenthood are based upon. But also, too, I think that there's a larger implication on what the federal government should have a right and not a right to tell the states to do. And then there's also this aspect of religious freedom. And then in addition to that, do women, according to the science, really have a right to quote unquote choose? And so So I think the more important thing to address is what is Roe v. Wade? So the ruling that established the precedence for Roe v. Wade was on January 22nd, 1973. And that ruling upheld a woman's quote unquote right to choose. And when we say choose, we mean choose the right to have an abortion. 
the common misconception that I've heard so much, especially parroted, I think by a lot of people that are pro-choice advocates, is this idea that if you overturn Roe v. Wade, does that mean that you will outright actually ban abortion. They constantly say, if oh, you know, Roe v. Wade happens, if it's overturned, we are going to lose our right altogether. First of all, that's wrong. An overturning of Roe v. Wade would actually bring it back to the states to decide, which is how it should be done, right? The states could then present evidence based on science and the medical breakthroughs that have currently happened since 1973 and really leave it up to the state legislators to decide whether or not that that's something that their state wants to engage in. But currently, the federal government says that you cannot actually outright ban abortion. I found it interesting, especially when these Supreme Court justice nominees came up for voting. Previous to 2020, you had Justice Kavanaugh and then you had ACB. And it was interesting because this was, again, one of the reasons why the pro-choice advocates were saying that we should you know, not allow these people to be sworn in is because they were going to outright ban abortion. So I wanted to clear up that misconception. But when you talk about this with most people, I realize, you know, I myself, I am a Christian. I believe in God and I believe in what the Bible says in Jeremiah 1, 5, where it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And to me, that means that God essentially knows all of his creation to include people that are in utero and people that are yet to be born. It's, it's something that I hold true to my own values with especially on this topic. But when you're talking to someone that might not necessarily believe in God, it's important that you know the science. And not everyone's religious. I can tell you that for my beliefs prior to really, I think, becoming an outspoken pro-life advocate, I didn't necessarily ever agree with the outright choice that women should be, you know, quote unquote, killing their babies or however you want to term it, you know, terminating embryos, which is what a lot of people like to say. But I did previously believe that maybe the government shouldn't interfere in regards to telling people what to do, right? So that was my viewpoint. It wasn't until my senior year in college that I actually had a developmental biology course. And mind you, this was not necessarily your coolest class, right? Like our professor was, I'm not even kidding, probably about 92 years old, very smart, intelligent man, had his doctorate. I think he actually got his doctorate at UWF for studying this certain type of snail specifically known for the state of Florida. But the reason I took his course is because obviously with your prereqs for going into medical school, I wanted to know And I needed to know about the developmental process of life and what constituted that. And so as part of this experiment, my professor ended up going to a local chicken farm out in Alabama and purchased 60 chicken eggs, or actually I think the number was initially about 120 chicken eggs that had been fertilized and that we were then going to incubate in the lab in order for us to actually run experiments on. And so mind you, I'm not at this point thinking, okay, this cute little chicken, I'm going to be running an experiment on it. I'm thinking, okay, this is science. I'm going to take this, get my grade, then I can study for the MCAT and I'll be done with it. We start and we obviously get with our lab partners and we're assigned this egg that we have to watch for the duration of the semester. And so as I'm sitting there with my lab notebook and I'm taking notes on this, you have to observe the development of the chicken embryo every single day. And so we had actually removed part of the top of the egg. We cut a little square into the shell of the egg. 
And then we had these really cool microscopes that you could actually look through and then it would magnify the image and we could actually see the heart beating and the development of the chicken embryo. And finally, we get to one of the last parts of our lab where we actually had to cut off with a a glass scalpel, which is basically a really sharp kind of little tiny little knife that you use for dissection. And we had to cut off one of the developing buds for these chickens. I never thought, now that I look back at it, that I would probably ever feel bad about this. But I remember looking in through the microscope, and this is, I guess, my ha moment. I'm looking down at this chicken, and as I move the scalpel towards the embryo, which is the baby chicken, the chicken actually moved away from the scalpel. And for whatever reason, I mean, like, not only did I feel bad about this, right? Like, I'm about to cut off what I think is the developing wing of this chicken to observe the observation process for this lab. But I started thinking about the whole concept of abortion. And I don't know, maybe it was God working in my life at that point in time. But when you see how a chicken would respond to that, imagine how a human embryo would respond to the process of abortion, which is completely, I mean, you want to talk about horrifying. Watch one of the videos where they actually walk you through the process. And so as I'm thinking about this and as I'm reflecting, continuing the experiment, we obviously completed it. And none of the chickens that we experimented on, about half, none of them survived because once you subject them to, you know, external environmental factors, especially being that it wasn't exactly sanitary conditions, And not to mention, we're not going to incubate these things or continue to incubate them knowing that they're going to be completely, you know, deformed. That was it. The experiment was over. And then you essentially basically throw out the egg. Well, my professor, I overheard him talking to one of the students in the front of the class. He's like, yeah, I have to stay behind after lab today because I have all of these leftovers. So he had about 60 leftover chicken embryos and their fertilizer still in the incubator. So it was projected that they were going to still be hatching. And so I asked him, I was like, wait, wait, professor what are you going to do with them? He goes, I'm just going to toss them. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And especially after I knew what I knew now, I was like, I, I just did not want to let that happen. <laughs> and so call me crazy. I actually ended up figuring out with this girl in my class who had grown up on a farm locally. And I guess her stepmother had had a chicken incubator. So she brought it to the lab one day. I took it home, set it up. And then the next day after school's over, I actually drove home with 60 chicken eggs in my car with the heat on full blast, wrapped in a blanket. It was, mind you, in the middle of summer here in Florida. So I want to say it was probably, I'm not making this up. It was probably about 98 degrees outside. But you have to make sure that the temperatures in order for these embryos to stay alive during transport stay the closest that they are to the incubator. So I had to put the heat on. I'm driving home with this, but it was all in the name of life and in the name of the fact that after observing this process and seeing the scientific basis for what constitutes life, literally with a microscope, I could not, in good conscience, allow these things to just be thrown out with today's garbage. So I brought them home, and this is one of my husband's last deployments, so he wasn't there. And on our Skype calls, he had called me. And of course, mind you, the chickens at this point had already hatched. Okay, I hand rotated these all through finals and then they start to actually hatch. Well, there's no exact way of quietly hiding the fact that you have 60 chicks in your house because I had to go get these massive rubber containers and I literally had to take these containers, put them in my living room with, you know, the little animal saw that they have for it, which is like those wood chips 
put it in my living room and I have all of these peep, peep, peep just all throughout the day constantly of these chicks with the lights and the food and all of it in my living room. We are in a small town home. There's really no backyard. And so my husband calls and right as I'm trying to explain what's happening, he goes, Anna, what is that? <laughs> we'll be right back after this quick break. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival, presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean, Keith Urban, Jelly Roll, Old Dominion, Lady A, Riley Green, Ashley McBride, Brothers Osborne, Walker Hayes, all hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th, stream only on Hulu, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. I had to then explain to my husband that I not only had rescued these 60 chicks, but that I then had to figure out what I was going to do with them because there's no way in any way, shape or form we could have had these. So I actually ended up bringing them to some of the local farms where I knew that they would not be one used as alligator bait, but also two that they would be taken care of. But the reason I tell you guys this story is because had I not ever taken that course, had I never taken the developmental biology class at the University of West Florida... I probably would have made the mistake of thinking that I was in the right and that maybe we shouldn't necessarily be involved in talking about this or at least specifying what people could and could not do to their bodies. But there's an important note to make here. One, of course, everyone has a right to what they want to put in their body and also to what is on their body. But the fact is, According to science, when you have a separate developing entity, that is no longer your body. That is someone else's body. Therefore, you do not have the right to terminate life because you simply do not want to deal with it. And so when we get into these arguments, when we get into these debates on what constitutes life, the one thing that I always question and I ask people in return is if you have life on Mars being a multi or a single cellular organism, then what's the difference between a multicellular organism and the human body, right? If I were to go to Mars today, and I actually just saw an article from SciTechDaily.com, and the title was Life on Mars. Scientists find Mars has the right ingredients for present-day microbial life beneath its surface. Could you imagine the outrage within the scientific community if I were to go to Mars, take all those microbial organisms and light them on fire and just completely scorch them to where there was nothing left. They would literally say that I was guilty of a modern day genocide. And honestly, if they're using that same argument for that, 
That's the argument that we should be using today, especially on the topic of abortion. Human beings are multicellular organisms. We are complicated. Obviously, there's been scientific breakthroughs since the 70s where you can observe that there are literally in utero, a baby can suck its thumb, that they respond to the voices of their parents. There is so much scientific evidence and breakthrough since then that that's what needs to be the evidence and foundation for some of these rulings, especially when it impacts something so important as life. And then you get into the whole ideas and knowing the fact that Planned Parenthood, one of the biggest for-profit abortion agencies in the country that during the Trump administration, thank God was defunded, but under the current Biden administration is now accepting funding again, but that Planned Parenthood's founder, Margaret Singer, believed in something called eugenics. And that's something that I believe a lot of pro-life organizations and movements have been talking about for a very, very long time. And up until recently, um, I want to say literally this year on April 17th, Planned Parenthood finally came out with a story and it was published in the New York Times titled, I'm head of Planned Parenthood and we're done making excuses for our founder, admitting that Margaret Sanger did indeed believe in eugenics. She believed in preventing minority births. There have been countless papers and statistics with her quotes and evidence talking about this. You know, the whole argument that minorities need access to Planned Parenthood, and I'm going to get into this in a second, why I find this particularly alarming, especially for the Hispanic community and especially for the Black community, is a lot of people will argue, well, because of the lack of socioeconomic status and that the Black community or the Hispanic community is considered lower income, because of that lack of access for insurance, that means that they have no contraceptives. And because of that, being a devil's advocate here, they say that they need access to Planned Parenthood so that they can get that quote unquote contraceptive care. But being a devil's advocate here, so if the solution is to give access to abortion, not target the insurance issue, which for me makes zero sense. And knowing that Planned Parenthood has its roots in eugenics, and after I tell you these stats here in a second, it's absolutely heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking that more people aren't honest about this, that for so long, I think a lot of pro-life organizations were titled and labeled as quote unquote fringe and said that they were conspiracy theorists because they were actually putting out this information about Margaret Singer. And it wasn't until literally last week that Planned Parenthood openly admitted that yes, indeed, Margaret Singer was someone that they did not want to make excuses for anymore. So heartbreaking statistic among white women, In 2018, 10% of pregnancies ended in abortion. But among the Black community, you had 25% end in abortion, which is a little over a quarter. And when you're looking at the fact that the Black community is literally the minority community, right? We have Hispanic Americans that are the largest voting minority community, but you have Black Americans that are now literally the minority of the minority. And over a quarter of these births are ending in abortion. It is Absolutely horrifying. That to me says that not only do we have a horrible issue here in this country to where I think society views children as less than as as expendable, but then you have this aspect of these organizations, in my opinion, targeting minority communities, not showing and not exactly advertising that you can adopt out children or that there's ways that you can get help if you bring a child to um, full birth, full term without getting an abortion. They don't even want to talk about those issues. You know, why have Planned Parenthood ads? Why not put up pro-life ads and adoption ads? But they won't do that. And they have the opportunity and money to do that. In fact, adoption is a quote-unquote service that Planned Parenthood offers. But when you look at the stats, 
it makes up a very, very, very tiny number of what the, they actually provide. You know, what is eugenics though? And some people might not know exactly how far down that rabbit hole goes, right? Eugenics is something that the Nazis did. It's the practice or advocacy of controlled selective breeding of the human population by sterilization to improve the population's genetic composition. So in Planned Parenthood's case, I would consider that anti-minority. You look at the numbers that they're targeting. It is literally the Hispanic demographic and the black demographic that is targeted for abortion via Planned Parenthood. You have Margaret Singer commenting on the Negro Project is that which is what she called it in a letter to Gamble on December 10th, 1939. Margaret Singer commented on her project, the N Project. And I'm not even going to say that word because I feel like it's so disgusting, but I'll let you guys infer the title that she used. So she called it the N Project. And she was in this letter writing, we do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the end population. And the minister is the man who can straighten out that idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members. So they were essentially using ministers to control the demographic of black Americans to not let them know that that's exactly what they were up to. How sick is that? So furthering on these findings and furthering all these studies, now we come up to modern day stats here that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Abortion Surveillance Reports reveal that between 2007 and 2010, nearly 36% of all abortions in the United States were performed on black children, even though black Americans make up only 13% of our population. And to further that, 21% of abortions were performed on Hispanics. We are now the largest voting minority in this country. I cannot say that enough. I know that a large majority of the Hispanic American demographic is absolutely pro-life. And on these different topics, it was horrifying to me to find out and to observe that during the 2020 election cycle, that organizations that were faith-based, whether they were Catholic, whether they were Christian, pro-life organizations were labeled as conspiracy theorists and disinformation campaigns by fact checkers, by big tech, and by these for-profit lobbying far-left organizations that do not want Hispanic Americans to realize that their values, that our values as being faith-based align that more with the Republican Party than the Democrat Party. So then what do they say? They say, okay, well, what about instances of rape and incest? And this is one of those things that obviously these are super, super sensitive topics, right? Like not everyone is comfortable addressing any of this. But the fact exists is that these cases make up less than 1% of total abortions. And that in 2004, there was a study done on an anonymous survey and they found that less than 0.05% of abortions were due to rape. And a separate study in 2018 found that in Florida specifically, less than 0.01% was due to incest. So to use that as, I think, fear-mongering, saying that there's this massive need to protect abortion rights because of the fact that these awful things are happening. Yes, of course, these are awful things. However, I'm going to tell you why this is so personal to me. And this is something that for a really long time, I think that my husband and I both really debated on whether or not we were going to kind of put this out in the public arena, because it's one of those things that especially being, I'd say, political or like being outspoken, people are just mean and they don't necessarily always say the nicest things. But we'll get back to that in one second after this short break. And I'll let you guys know exactly what he had to say. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival, presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean, Keith Urban, Jelly Roll, Old Dominion, Lady A, Riley Green, Ashley McBride, Brothers Osborne, Walker Hayes, all hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th, stream only on Hulu, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. So many people don't know this, but my husband, Andy, and his twin brother were actually adopted. And I didn't find out about my husband's adoption. He told me pretty early on in the relationship, but we didn't actually find out who his biological family was until we were together for probably about four years. And I remember that process and even just, you know, it's it's nerve wracking. Like you're finding out you're about your family. I mean, he was able to track down his biological mom, but like who was his father? I mean, there were so many factors, so many unknowns. And I remember how happy Andy was when he was finally able to connect with his bio family. And I remember thinking, I mean, what his mom must have gone through to not just have him and then adopt them out to an amazing family, by the way, or, you know, our family's incredible. But the fact that she had to carry two babies full term, and then she was able to adopt them out. And that in itself is so hard. But What I'm about to tell you guys next is something that I think a lot of people don't know about us. And it's the fact is, is that my husband and his twin brother were not conceived in consent. And it always, especially on this topic, you know, even before my developmental biology course, even, you know, before I think I was as outspoken as I was knowing this, I mean, that's heavy. And I think that anyone would say, wow, how do you, how do you process that? Right. Well, the fact is, is that most people that you meet, you might not know the circumstances in which they're conceived in. I mean, so many people are not going to just go up to you and say, hi, you know, my name's Anna Paulina Luna and I'm a byproduct of a non-consensual event or I'm a byproduct of rape. That just doesn't happen. And you don't know people's true hurt. You don't know their stories and you don't know who people are behind closed doors. My husband, just to give you an idea of who he is as a person though, I mean, not only did he join the military, obviously you guys heard my story about how we met, but he's absolutely an incredible individual. I mean, he was at the take back of Mosul where he helped literally destroy ISIS and fight terrorism. He received a bronze star and a purple heart. He continuously does works with various nonprofits to include one called Force Blue that does coral reef restoration and and contributes to saving the environment. But he's not ever going to just tell random people that. And especially on this topic, when we were deciding whether we were going to make this public, the reason why we wanted to do it is because that in itself, I do believe completely shatters the narrative on those people that will say, we are not for abortion, except in the event of rape and incest. And that is why we as a family hold the values that we are. We are 100% unapologetically pro-life for that reason. You know, but 
this idea that abortion is just a woman's argument is something that I've really had to, I think, wake other people up to. And especially with younger men out there, you know, your voice in this entire argument is so important because it takes two, right? You have the XY and the XX chromosome that contribute to life. And that is how you make a baby. We won't get into the specifics because I think you guys already know that. But when it comes to a baby, that's half your child. That is half your decision in the matter. And that means that you absolutely do have the ability to use your voice and that your voice matters on this topic and on this argument. But also too, for churches to get involved. I find that so many times people tend to hide behind their faith, but it is a faith-based value that also says that you need to use your voice on this topic. And then there's the final scientific argument that says that we constitute life on other planets as single-celled organisms. Well, what about those multicellular organisms in the womb? You know, Nelson Mandela once said that there can be no keener revelation of a society's soul than the way that it treats its children. If that's Nelson Mandela, and then we have the stats that I've presented to you today, if we cannot protect our innocent, then who are we as a society and who have we become? Before we go, I want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on all my social media, Twitter, Facebook, Parlor, Instagram at Real Anna Paulina. And a special thank you to our producer, Drew Steele, writer Aaron Kliegman, researcher Stetson Bryson, and executive producers, Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. The biggest stars in country music will be taking the stage at our 2024 iHeart Country Festival. Presented by Capital One. Jason Aldean. Keith Urban. Jelly Roll. Old Dominion. Lady A. Riley Green. Ashley McBride. Brothers Osborne. Walker Hayes. All hosted by Bobby Bones at Austin's Moody Center. Saturday, May 4th. Stream only on Hulu. Starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific.